Hey friends, I'm Stacy and I'm Liz and we love chatting about teen books. What makes our podcast a little different is that we want to encourage your curiosity beyond the book. So how will we do that? Well, each month we'll feature one book and discuss its highlights. You know, the things that made us love it. We'll also share the things that didn't knock our socks off. And then we'll explore what the book taught us and how it inspired a curiosity of information well after the story finished. So now, let's get on with our episode. Curious Reader Podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and I am so excited to talk about our book today, which is Gallant by V.E. Schwab. It's a fantasy fiction novel. And so if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, I really wanted to just give like a quick backstory to how we picked this book today, um, more specifically how Liz picked this book today. <laughs> um, so see, uh, I'm not a huge fan of fantasy. I love crime and mystery and some murder. Um, that is my jam. But Liz, my co-host, decided at the end of last month's episode uh, to put a fantasy book in my hand. And she really challenged me to immerse myself in it. So um, so let's get on with it then, because, man, do we have a lot to say about this book. So, so Liz, give us a little synopsis about Gallant. Gotcha. So, Gallant, as you say, Gallant is fantasy, but I feel like it fits into a lot of other subgenres mm. as well. So while yeah. it is fantasy, I, the more, as I continued reading it, I really felt strongly that this was what I would consider a gothic horror novel. Uh, with definitely some solidly fantasy elements. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I thought it was one that would appeal to both of us because it has like, or it it has uh, like, not crime, but it has murder. <laughs> uh, it has some murder uh, and some mystery, which I thought would appeal to Stacey. That's true. That's and true. And it has uh, some fantasy and some gothic elements, which would appeal to me. But so basically, uh, for a synopsis, Gallant starts off with our heroine, Olivia, stuck inside an orphanage that she dreams of escaping. Uh, it's like a dismal, strict place, and Olivia is always an outsider with the other girls, mostly because she is non-speaking. Uh, she can't yeah. speak even to, you know, scream if she's in pain, nothing, like no sounds. So her only real possession is her mother's journal, um, which was left with her at the orphanage when she was a baby. But the journal itself is kind of weird and unsettling and gives like a horror vibe right from the beginning. Uh, her mother like writes in circles about these frightening shadows and dreams and a place called Gallant that Olivia should never, ever go to. But then... <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we do that a lot. We do. Um, we need like a sound effect button. We do. But then, a letter comes for Olivia at the orphanage. It turns out her uncle has been looking for her, and he is inviting her to come and live with her loving family in their home. Their home, which is called... Dun-dun-dun. Gallant. <laughs> Olivia has nowhere else to go, so she doesn't have much choice. And she's pretty excited and relieved to finally have a family. Um, she's pretty excited about that. But as you may have sur uh, surmised, Gallant is an unusual place. It's a like a big manor house estate that's crumbling. It's in disrepair. In a word, it is spooky. 
uh, and her family is not at all what she was expecting, and they all seem to be keeping secrets. Actually, that is something I love in stories, so I love That's that. That's why I thought you'd yeah. like it. Yeah. But so without giving too much away, um, Olivia at Gallant, she learns, she finally learns what happened to her parents, and she discovers what has been affecting her family for generations and making everything so dang spooky. Uh, and then she has to decide what she's going to do about it. Stacy, did I did I miss anything? Do you have general thoughts that you would like to share? No, I think you were like pretty dang thorough right there. Like, oh wait, no, your eyes yeah, just like I just remembered a thing oh, I forgot. Okay. Also, she can see ghouls. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she can see. So, so when I when I was reading this, um, you know, Liz told you about the orphanage in the beginning, and so immediately I was like drawn back to uh, when I read. Um, uh, the Queen's Gambit. Yes, thank you. The Queen's Gambit. And then with the ghouls, I was like, started to think about the sixth sense and like I see dead people. So it was kind of like, it was a little hard for me in the beginning because that's just what kept going in my mind. These other things I'd already already seen. But, you know, I digress. That has no other thoughts about the book. I just went off on that. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, so Olivia can see these. She can see dead people. Yes. Uh, she can see them at the orphanage. She can see them when she gets to Gallant. And no one else seems to be able to. And even if they could, she can't communicate. Right. Exactly she can't even really happening. tell them. But so, so no, I don't th- I don't think you uh, missed anything. <laughs> I think all of that was really good, though. I think there was like something when you were talking that I had in my head for something else. And I hopefully it will come back to me because I feel like it was really good. But I just can't remember what it was. Darn. <laughs> All right. Well, that is not something that I can help you with. No, you can't. Oh, that was it. I remembered it, but I'll get it on to with my hits. I remember what it is, but it's going to go with my hits. All right. Let's Excellent. go on, Liz. <laughs> so something that I really wanted to talk about was one of the reasons that I chose uh, this book in particular. Uh, and it's because it uh, was described and turns out to fit very well into one of my favorite subgenres of all time, which is gothic horror. Um, so if you're not familiar with gothic horror, you should know there's all kinds of different flavors of horror and you are probably familiar with a whole lot of them. You know, you've got like monster horror, Mm -hmm. right? Something like Godzilla or zombies, right? You've got psychological horror, which is like, what is real and what is not? And am I losing my mind and what is happening? Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's some good stuff. And I feel like there's elements of that in this book as well. I agree. Um, you also have like your really gory horror, mm-hmm. which is not my thing at all, because yeah. it's just gross and not very fun. No. But and there's a whole lot of other kinds of of horror. But gothic horror is its own like very specific thing, and it's very very cool. So the, it has all sorts of like really specific tropes that like make it gothic horror. And by trope, I mean like specific elements that are uh, like important to this genre, like how you classify it as this genre. And you saw that in the in this book. You oh, felt like you yes. saw. Okay, all right. Um, I mean, so like the the first like most recognizable trope of this genre uh, is that the action takes place in like a really bleak, inescapable, yeah. creepy location. Yeah. Um, so it should feel like oppressive, like you can't you can't get out. Um, so think like like misty fields and like dark dark woods and like crumbling castles. That's kind of how the genre like started out, and it's um, definitely evolved since then. It doesn't have to incorporate mm-hmm. exactly those elements. There are gothic horror stories that entirely take place inside of like one apartment, but it just has to feel like the environment itself is threatening. Okay. Like you don't know what the threat is, but the environment feels wrong and disturbing. Mm. So uh, gallant check 
the House of Gallant, there's something wrong with it. And at yeah. first, we don't know what it is. Uh, and so another trope is very often gothic horror uh, will start with a young woman coming to this very spooky, bleak location because she has literally nowhere else to go and, like, no one on oh. Earth who else who is, like, looking out for her. I did not realize that that was a gothic horror trope. It absolutely is. Like, wow. if you think about a book like like Rebecca, mm-hmm. um, that's very much like like a young woman. She's coming to this house. She really can't leave because she has nowhere else to go. And it's set in a time and place where they're like she. It was much harder for her to like set out on her own. Yeah. So she's like reliant on other people, and she can't leave. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah. Uh. Oh. Gallant. Check. Check. Olivia doesn't have anywhere else to go on the earth. Um. Another really common aspect of gothic horror is that all the people that you meet throughout this book in this location are very, like, withholding. Like, they're secretive, and you don't know what the secret is, or even if they really have one. But for whatever reason, they don't like you, and they're not telling you something. <laughs> Check, we had that. Very common, yes. <laughs> Once she gets to Gallant, there are yeah. definitely people who don't like her and are trying not to tell her anything. Um so, and then the the villains in Gothic horror are also a really interesting aspect, and it definitely like plays into this book as well. So the villains now it can be something supernatural, like something literally supernatural, like Dracula, um, or it can just be like a regular terrible human being, okay. um, like again Rebecca. Sorry, it's one of my favorite books, so I'm probably gonna reference that a lot. It's by Daphne du Maurier, and if you haven't read it, you should. Um, I think we've mentioned it before, like Probably. in a, a podcast before. <laughs> at, um, I think Melissa, when she was hosting with it, she said it was one of her favorites ah, too. So there we so go. So good. Many plugs. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the villains, whether they're supernatural or just a human being, something about them plays into our main characters, um, like their failings and their insecurities. Yeah. So, and that really contributes to the psychological horror aspect of it because because someone or something is playing into some like bad part of yourself, you start to doubt whether it's happening in real life or whether it's happening in your mind. And that's a very big thing in this genre as well. And guess what? That happens here. Uh, We will get into the specifics of that later on because that's a big spoiler. Mm -hmm. Um, But suffice to say, it is an important point here. And then so finally... Finally, the thing about gothic horror is that um, it's not usually a place for happy endings. Uh, In the same way that the environment is like bleak and inescapable and uh, everything seems kind of, I think bleak is the best word. (laughs) So bleak. (laughs) Um, I would say that, yeah, you should not expect a happy ending in a gothic novel. Um, There's not going to be like a big triumphant moment. It's Mm -hmm. probably going to be more nuanced. Um, And I think I can say that there is nuance in this ending, um, but I shan't say anything more for fear of spoiling it. So so famous examples of this are, like I uh, mentioned, Bram Stoker's Dracula or anything by Edgar Allan Poe or Frankenstein, which is a really cool example. And I won't get into the specifics now because I could talk about that for a long time. Uh, the Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, mm-hmm. another favorite book of mine. Uh, Rebecca, and there's so many excellent books. And there are a lot of modern YA books that sort of take on this flavor as well. Um, like The Companion by Katie Ellender, uh, In the Shadow of Blackbirds by Cat Winters, White Smoke by Tiffany Jackson, mm-hmm. or Within These Wicked Walls by Lauren Blackwood. 
I could really go on because there's a whole lot who have been influenced by this kind of book, by this genre. Um, so if you're into uh, like slow burn mysteries um, that are very spooky, this is the genre for you. And also please come in the library because I have a lot of recommendations. Awesome. I think you did a great job of explaining um, gothic horror because I, I was looking it up and, and I mean, I got a little bit of that, but I, I really, I think that you sold it a whole lot more. Thank you. You're welcome. It really comes down to the amount of mist. <laughs> if there's a lot of mist talked about, um, it's probably gothic. Gothic. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about our hits in this um, story. So, so for me, our main character was a hit. I loved Olivia. She, um, she was gutsy. She appears not to take crap from anybody. Like you can, you, you know, in the orphanage, um, and even when she gets to Gallant, I just, I don't know. I really, really loved her. Um, plus, you know, the fact that she was um, not speaking, that she was. Um, Mute really added to the tension in the story, and I think that helped us really get into our head a little bit more. Uh, Oh, yeah. I definitely agree. Um, We were very closely in Olivia's mind, um, which really built the tension because part of it is, you know, the not knowing what's going on, right? Like, that's a big builder of tension. Mm -hmm. And so Olivia genuinely didn't know what was going on because no one was taking the time to explain anything to her. And she couldn't ask, right? right. It I was mean, so frustrating because a lot of times, you know, you, you read a story or you watch something and you think like, oh, why didn't they just ask the question? Yeah. And the whole time, <laughs> Olivia is trying, but literally people can just turn their back on her and there's nothing she can do about it. Yeah. They can just say, oh, I don't understand how to sign and there's nothing she can do about it. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know if we had mentioned that earlier. So she does, um, she knows, she does sign language, so she can sign. But yeah, if d- someone does not want to continue the conversation with you, they're just going to turn their back. And so the one yeah. thing with Olivia, like I felt <laughs> like in this story, the writing was so good that if somebody turned her back, I could almost see like this scowl on her face, like in this fist, like, you know, I'm trying to talk to you. How dare you turn your back on me? <laughs> yeah. Like you got the sense and she, like Stacey said, she doesn't take crap from anybody. No. And so you really got the sense that like if she could be screaming at all of these people yeah. to stop being idiots and tell her what's going on, then she absolutely, she absolutely would, would be. be. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. So um, the other thing is that I thought the writing was very beautiful. It's set in the atmosphere in mm-hmm. the book. Um, it was just the right amount of description for me because I tend to, when something goes too long into in description, and maybe that you know has been sometimes why I said I don't typically like fantasy or maybe like high fantasy there's more what I'm talking about because I get uh, you start to lose me I start looking up I start getting distracted um but this had the right amount I did not zone out it didn't happen for me here um and the one thing that I did remember that I also loved is I loved having that aspect of her mother's journals in the book um that was a huge we didn't talk about that at all that was a huge winner in there yeah in the book so in the journal that Olivia has from her mother, there are these um, illustrations in yeah. them. There are drawings. Uh, and so those drawings are included in the book. So you get to see yeah. like parts of the journal, which was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. But I also cool. agree with you that I really enjoyed the writing. I, I think it was like the absolute right amount of description to set the mood really mm-hmm. well. Got to get that missed. That's right. Um, but then also like to keep, I felt like it kept the story moving. Um, even though the beginning was, didn't, wasn't moving along super fast, but there was enough of a mystery that was introduced that it like kept going and it kept my attention. Yeah. Um, I also really enjoyed, and I, I noticed every time she did it, but I still loved it. Um, 
I just, there was like a bit of a cliffhanger at like the end of every section. Yeah. There was a dun 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 kind of moment. And I was like, oh man, gotta turn the page, gotta yeah. find out what happens. So that was really well done. And I also really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. You got to the end of the chapter and I was like, oh, I can't end here. I've got to know what's going to happen. All right, one more page, you know, kind of moving on. Uh, the other thing that was great as a whole for me is that I found myself thinking about different aspects of this book for days after I finished it. And so that means like I really, really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. then that also I became interested in, hey, you know, um, Schwab, V.E. Schwab also, she writes adults books. I, I don't know. Was this her first I Why believe a? this was her first okay. one. I'm not um, 100% sure, but I, I believe think so. so. I think so. So I was like, hey, you know what? I would love to see and read one of her adult fantasy novels yeah. and kind of just see how that goes. So there, was, I, this did, um, I immersed myself in it and it, it gave me some interest into trying something different. And I think that was awesome. I, I'm also really interested in, I haven't read anything by uh, V.E. Schwab before, but mm-hmm. I definitely am interested in reading more. And one of the things that I really enjoyed, like talking about her writing and her level of description and even like the engagement in the fantasy world that she created was that there were some fantasy elements that she wrote about and introduced that were really cool and unusual and that like really grabbed my attention as something I hadn't heard about before. Ah. Um, And I'm being vague because once again, this has to do with the ending. Yeah. Um, it's a little hard to talk about this book because there's so much wrapped in it and that you don't want to give any spoilers out. So yes, it's a little hard and we're, yeah, we're being a little vague. We are being vague, but we will (laughs) set aside a special section later on to discuss all these things. You'll hear it. But, uh, so yeah, in summation, I would say that there are cool fantasy elements that struck me and will likely strike you as new and interesting. Do you have any other hits before we move on to some misses? If there's, you know, if you have any misses. I don't know. I think I think that just about sums up my okay. head. I think we are pretty much in agreement about that. Cool. So I think I really um I really only had one miss and I know this probably is gonna be sound strange as my miss, but um it was content wise. It it was you know, even though, you, as you explained, gothic horror and the mist and the, it was still mild, I would say, content wise. Yes. The level of spooky was right? mild. Yeah. So I would have liked, you know, to up the ante on that scary and that spooky. Yes. I would have liked a bit more um, in that atmospheric content of spooky, scary horror. Um, and then, oh, uh, so I had two. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's right. And another miss for me was. Ugh, so within the story, too, there was also these um, pages that were super dark. They were like black pages, and they had this white font, cursive font on it. And the font was super, super tiny. Um, it was really hard for my, you know, almost 50-year-old eyes to read. And they got blurry sometimes. And that was disappointing to me because that those pages were specifically like the perspective of the villain. Yes, those are very cool pages. They're cool pages, but it was hard for me to focus mm-hmm. on them and read them and um, really enjoy them for what they were. So I'm not going to get too into this because it's really not interesting to anyone it's who not. doesn't work in production well, I'm in a publishing in company. <laughs> Liz already told me though, so. But well, so the main point is your mileage may vary on that point. Mm-hmm. You may get a copy that is easier to read. Yeah. But the copy that Stacy and I were sharing, um, because it was like a thin white font on a black page, um, you run into a problem where like the color plates 
at the actual printer, they don't align properly. And so you get some like overlap, which made the very thin font look fuzzy and difficult to read. Yeah, for me. Sorry, I used to work in publishing. This was a thing that was important to my life for a long time, but also is very uninteresting. (laughs) But it was a small miss for me for the copy that I had. So those were the two things um, that... But yeah, I, I, I agree that even on the not fuzzy pages, because yeah. the font was so thin, it was a little difficult to read. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say a miss was I would have liked to know more about the fantasy elements. Um, the description of the actual like physical environment mm-hmm. was great. Was great. We got like a real good sense of mm-hmm. that. Um, and the parts that she did explain and did describe were like very well done. But the fantasy elements were part of like a much larger thing. Um, like it, it wasn't. I'm not explaining this well because I can't get into detail. <laughs> Basically, the fantasy elements were on a very big scale, right? Yeah. Like they weren't small fantasy elements that just affect this one house, right? They're like world affecting. Yeah. And so. Um, I would have liked to know maybe a little bit more about the house, how it came to be there, mm. how the family and like initially came to be there, mm-hmm. and perhaps what the larger ramifications of the fantasy elements would be, like how it would affect or how it has affected our world at large yeah. rather than the smaller scale of just the house. Okay. Very that's good. What I would have liked to know. That's what you would. <laughs> yeah. So I did have some things that um, I pondered and wanted to know more about as I was reading this that kind of like set me off. Not like as I read the book, I had this like curiosity or this like, hey, I want to research this more. I need to know this. Um, and for me, one of these things were, were we mentioned that Olivia sees ghouls. And so when I'm reading books, ghouls is not something I typically see written about or I guess maybe my thought of ghouls was a little like different and so I was like why are these ghouls why aren't they ghosts what is the difference what is going on so I decided that I needed to find out what the difference between ghouls and ghosts were and as I was researching I still struggled to get a good grasp of the difference um but I felt like there was one so I found an article that gave a great side-by-side grid, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over the grid real quick with you. It's from um, differencebetween.com, which is like this knowledge hub. Um, it's run by these like-minded uh, professionals that are across different academia, and they partner with experts in, in different fields to kind of give um, some information on certain subject matter. And there was something in there that said, what is the difference between ghouls and ghosts? Oh, so it's not just us. It's not just me. So here's definition, right? So a ghoul. Ghouls are legendary evil spirits that rob graves and feed on dead bodies. Corpses, okay? Normally they're found in like cemeteries, graveyards, things like that. Where ghosts are spirits or souls of dead people that become visible to the living. So I was kind of like, okay, well, isn't that kind of what happened with her? Like, aren't they visible? I don't know. Um, Appearance. Ghouls have a physical form where ghosts may be invisible or translucent. And then in their behavior, ghouls dwell on burial grounds and feed on corpses where ghosts haunt objects, places, or people associated with their previous life. 
The idea of ghouls originated from Arabian folklore, where the idea of ghosts can be found in across many, many cultures. Um, and in pop culture, I guess ghouls are not as commonly used as you know ghosts are. And that's probably why yeah. I was like, why are we using ghouls? They don't come up a lot. They or they don't. come up like in... You talk about like ghouls and ghosts. Yeah. But you don't yeah. generally have something that focuses on ghouls and what the difference between them might be. Right. So as I started thinking a little bit, like, you know, I was looking through these, um, this, this grid here and I digested a little bit more. I can understand and I can't really tell you why I can understand why she used ghouls because it would tell too much of the story. Um, but I can so- now see a little bit more why ghoul fits. So as you talked through this, something did occur to me as to why she made that distinction. Mm -hmm. It was like, because to me, like, I I didn't know very much about ghouls. But Mm -hmm. if you asked me, like, off the cuff to tell you what the difference between them is, is that I always understood ghouls to have, like, physicality, Mm -hmm. uh, like an actual body. Yeah. And stop me if I'm saying what you're thinking that you think is a spoiler and I'm okay with. But these <laughs> ghouls... Did anyone follow that? <laughs> I think I Stop me if I go too far, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, these ghouls, when we first encounter them, they have no physical form. Yeah. But that kind of changes in certain parts and locations right. in the book. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's exactly it. So I was kind of like, ah. Okay. So, yeah. However, I don't feel like they they didn't adhere to all of these, like, differences. They so didn't. So I'm still a little like, mm. It could go either way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was something I um, had to ponder. Um, the other thing is, so we talked about how Olivia um, does not speak, how she, uh, her mutism, and which is the absence of speech, but still having the ability to hear the speech of others. So she could perfectly, un, you know, hear and understand everything that was being said to her. She was just not able to make words um, and and speak, make sound for anybody else, and so she used sign language. Now, th- I, that was just curious for me, and so. Um, I wanted to learn some more, and so I did a little bit of research. And so I will say, though, that within the story, I had an aha moment, and I can't – I this one I can't tell. Yeah, that's true. This I can't. But um, everything that I'm talking about here really doesn't have to do with Olivia. It's just that this, this aspect of the character made me research some other things. And so as far as um, – mutism goes that there, there's many reasons that a person may have the absence of speech and there can be organic causes for example the physiology of a person's mouth or their tongue uh, makes it difficult for them to form um, the speech uh, there can also be a coordination uh, problem with the coordination of their muscles uh, there's also developmental delays or causes which may affect how someone applies language uh, and then there's something called selective mutism and this is I think the thing that got me um, it's in which a person can speak but chooses not to, or they only choose to speak in select situations or to select people. Um, and the reason this was curious to me, um, so first of all, like the, usually there's a psychological cause or a stress or emotional cause that's related to um, someone having selective uh, mutism. And so I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but I actually had um, an uncle he has passed, but he never like for the whole time that I know knew him, he never spoke. 
never said any words. And um, but he would use hand gestures and his body language and his facial language. Uh, you know, you knew that he was communicating with you. Mm-hmm. He would, you know, like kind of show gesture of laughing when he thought something was funny. You got like an OK sign for him if you asked him how he was doing. Um, and so you could recognize that he understood you. And I remember my mom um, kind of telling me, he, you know, so it was my mother's stepbrother. Um, and he uh, became her stepbrother like much later in life, like in, mm-hmm. in his 30s. Um, but anyway, his mom had passed away. And so um, my mom said that after his mom passed away, he had actually he'd stopped talking. Wow. Well into his like, you know. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know. That was just something for me that I was like, hey, you know, I wanted to research more. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we don't come across many books uh, featuring characters we don't, um, no. who, who don't speak. So, I mean, it really played into the plot here as well. So, like, it, and it, I mean, it's not spoiling to say that it, it is part of her character it that is. we learn yeah. about later. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting to come across a mute character. Yeah. So, so those were my, my things there. But, um, so, we have a big announcement for this part of the podcast. Listen closely. All right, Liz, go ahead. It's spoiler time. Yes. I know we said we wouldn't, but we have to for this book. Yeah. I mean, if you've been listening up to this point, there are clearly a lot of things that we want to talk about that we are trying not to talk about, which does not make for an interesting podcast no. at all. So, we decided that we had to talk about the ending here Yeah, um, because we had a lot of feelings. Um or one of us had a lot of feelings, and the other is a very good listener. Thank you, Stacey. Um, <laughs> I have feelings, too. I'm just not as strong. I'm just like, eh, yeah. <laughs> so if you don't want to hear how this book ends, I would suggest signing off here. Hopefully, we have intrigued you enough uh, that you'll come in, check out the book, read it, then listen to the podcast yeah. um, so you can hear the two of us arguing about it. Yeah. All right. So, and if you've already read the book, we really want you to um, continue listening on so that, you know, yes, see how we are of two very different opinions and (laughs) we would really like to discuss them with some other people too. So if you have read the book, please come in and talk to us about it. Yeah. So here we go. We're (laughs) going to give you one, two, three, sign off. All right, let's go. Yeah. All right. You've been warned. Okay. So first off, we both really flip-flopped in our opinions between starting and ending the book. Yeah. I came into this book thinking, this is exactly my jam. Like, this is going to be a great book that I'm going to enjoy all the way through. And I would say that I really got into, like, the first two-thirds of the book. You, you did, because you were like, I'm, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, I'm loving Olivia. I'm yeah. loving this book. She's so and, cool. And at I one was point, in, in the, I ran down the stairs she after Stacy <laughs> had left to tell her something that I had just read in the book. That's how into it I was. Yeah. And I was a little bit like, hey, it's a little slow. I'm, I'm enjoying it, but it's a little slow and, right. you know. And then for me, so the last third, which is really um, you know, like the main action and the ending, yeah. I was not that into. Yeah. Um, I just had a lot of thoughts about the ending, whereas you really enjoyed it. I did. I was like, oh, my gosh, I love the second half of this book. I was, you know perfect and i think i used something like i was content in the ending so mm-hmm. um you know i guess because we're doing spoilers we can actually say what happens in the ending here right you know um so matthew which is her olivia finds out that this is um her cousin when she comes to gallant right and that ultimately there's oh, yeah. sorry do you it's oh. worthwhile to say there is no uncle the yes. uncle is dead 
Yes. So when she comes to Gallant, she only finds her cousin and two um, housekeepers. Yeah. Basically. A housekeeper of, and a garden keeper who yep. are very nice, lovely people. Yeah. They like take care of the yes. property in the home and restrain Matthew. Yes. <laughs> because she also learns, this is the main spoiler, mm-hmm. that her family, the Priors, have been living at this house because they are essentially guarding the gate that keeps death back. Yeah. That is why everything is so spooky because there is a wall with a gate in it and on the other side of that gate there is literally the personification of death. Yeah. And so and there's like the flip-flop of of the house. So you have Gallant oh, right. on one side of the gate, you know, the house that she shows up in and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm finally I'm in a home. I've never been in a house this big before." You know, obviously it's an older home, but it's still like was pleasing to her. And then on the other side of the the um garden gate that or this very short wall actually. And that was kind of a weird thing, but I regardless. Um, when she gets onto the other side of that, we also have a decrepit, decaying, falling apart, crumbling gallant. It's the shadow death. version of gallant. Yeah. Everything in the sort of death side of the wall is mm-hmm. a shadow of what's on the real side of the yes. wall. So death is basically trying to get its power by, you know, coming into the living side of gallant, right? Yeah, like it seems to like suck life. Yeah. And so it wants to get through the gate yes. so it can be on the side with the living things that mm-hmm. it can suck life from. Yeah. But the the priors have um, this ability be, yeah, by through their blood. Through their blood. And they have to, to seek it too. And they right. have like they to have seal to, the yeah, gate. Seal They're the, the only gate. ones who can open or seal the gate. Yes. So that's why Death is super interested in Olivia and has lured her to gallant so that she is another prior for him to because that's the other thing yeah he gets into people's dreams yes. and he drives them mad yep. and he makes them do things they wouldn't normally do like send a letter saying that your uncle wants you to come to gallant exactly <laughs> but what ends up happening is that olivia believes that she that she sees a prior who's still alive uh, another one of her cousins over on yes. the death side, the sh- the shadowy side. Uh, a 10-year-old yeah. who they believed was dead. Yeah. She has gone to the other side of the wall, I don't know, to see what's up. She really doesn't have a great purpose there. Anyway, she goes to the other yeah. side of the wall. She sees this child who they believe the is fountain, dead. In the fountain, yeah. And when she comes back, she tells Matthew about it. And that's sort of what kicks off the main action of the ending because yep. they want to go rescue him. Yes. And so ultimately how Liz feels is that it's very bleak at the end because, yes, Olivia has found a home. And so I look at it and say, you know what? But she finally has a home. She feels she has a purpose and a place. And Liz's thought is, yeah, her purpose and place is to basically either go mad, which she will, right? Right. Because death will torment her. Basically. And... Another thing that we should mention, so yes. Matthew believes he is the last of the priors. Yes. He is living in the house. He is being slowly driven mad and deprived of sleep mm-hmm. by the personification of death. Yeah. And then Olivia shows up, and he's real mad about it, because he thought once he died, it would this sort would of stop. end with him, right? Like, yeah. no one else would be tortured by death. Um, And so, it wasn't that the ending was bleak. 
But what okay. happens is, because so I will say too, because when you're like, and Gothic has, there's no happy no, endings. It's bleak. I kind of gave her daggers with my eyes. She like, did. hey, it's not that it's bleak. <laughs> it's not that it's unhappy. What I take issue with is that the circumstances have not been changed. I right. I so know. Matthew is when we meet Matthew, he's in the house. He believes he's the last of the priors. He's waiting to die. Then here's another spoiler. He does die, and then. Olivia is the last of the priors. She's in the house. She's waiting to die. She is also being slowly driven mad by death. So the circumstances have not changed. It's not that it's sad. It is super sad um, because she has experienced nothing other than this like terrible orphanage and then this house, which is a prison for her, who she can't invite anyone else to because they will be driven mad Mm -hmm. by death or killed by her. Yeah. And then she just is like, no, this is fine and plants some roses. And... (laughs) The circumstances. But she loves those roses. She does. But she also has the uncanny ability to um, to bring life, right? Because like that was the thing when That's she was true. on when she's on the, other, on the side. other side, she was actually able to touch things. So she touched a flower and it came back to life. So. But that's one of the elements that I needed to know more about because nothing happens with that. I guess I was content with just having this feel good about that. What about that feels good? (laughs) I don't know that she made a flower that she brought a little mouse back to life. I, I think that I was just like, wow, she's just, she takes no crap and she's willing to say, hey, you know what? Dang it. If this is where I'm living for the rest, you know, I will make it work and I'm okay. Like, I guess maybe that was the attitude I had. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. She does end the story more content than she began it. Because basically she's in a situation of that it's not of her own choosing at the orphanage. And she's really mad about it. Yeah. But you pointed out that she's really in a situation of not of her own choosing here. because right. but she's letter, content about it yeah. because she can't escape because the personification of and death is waiting for her. And she knows she had a family. I think that that's the other thing too. <laughs> like She true. recognized she did have a family. She now knows more about her mother and she now knows who her father is. Yes. She learns about her parents and, you know, the rest of her family, which it turns out was vast. Yeah. But they're all dead. I know. But she (laughs) sees them, right? Because she she sees dead people. (laughs) So so Liz and I will not end up coming to any type of consensus here because I think we're both like, hey, you know. The circumstances have not changed. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. (laughs) <laughs> is that is all I can say. So, I, you know, I was also saying, like, I think this would be something I would love to have a book club about because I would yes. love to hear what other people's thoughts are on this ending. Or, you know, I even tried, like, looking in Goodreads. And, and I mean, some people had some some opinions or whatever, but it was definitely not, like, how I normally see. So I, I, I would love to just hear from other people. So, you know... Drop us something here, people. Yes. Give us a little bit of a, Please what do you think? Read this book and then yeah. talk to us about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I got the sense reading reviews that it's unlike her work for adults. Yeah. And that people were kind of thrown by the mm-hmm. fact that it's so different. That's so different. Yeah. But the, that being said, I really en- I enjoyed the book very yeah. much. Oh, no, I know. Do you think and that she made it different because for YA? Like that maybe, I don't know. Like, maybe. I mean, if this is her first or one of her first books mm-hmm. for young adults, maybe yeah. it's that she was trying to fit to a certain idea of what it should be. Yeah. Um, 
I liked it though. I mean, I I liked all I liked all aspects. I enjoyed of it, the book. So. There was a lot to like about it. Um, I just but you struggled to get through the end part. Like I I could see I like did. you were near the end and you're just like Ugh. here's my thing. Like because you knew you knew nothing was resolved. I guess I kind of so. Here's my problem with a lot of horror, right? Like, yeah. I love the buildup. I love the beginning. Mm-hmm. I love the, ooh, like, give me breadcrumbs. Like, what's the mystery going to be? Like, ooh, I can't wait. Um, but then as soon as you reveal the mystery, the rest of the book is going to be just, like, action, right? Yeah. It's just going to be, like, a lot of punching and fighting and ghouls trying to kill death, which they can't because he's dead. He's death. And, oh, that's right. You mentioned that other thing. Like, so really, we can't kill death, though, because it's right. death. Death that, always needs to be there. The, but maybe that's also the aspect of it. Like, the villain was too death. powerful. Yeah. Like, you cannot overcome this villain. Ooh, There's no I hope like of that. that. I like that. So these were the things that once we got to the, ooh, all the secrets have been mm. revealed, and now it's just like a race to the end where we try yeah. to, you know, see who's going to die. That is usually the part of the story that's less interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, so those were our spoilers, <laughs> and that was our argument. We've, we also discussed this with each other yesterday and realized we have got to make sure we, we, have, to, we have to tell our whole story in this one because we were pretty like, well, you know. I mean, we're like that anyway, but That's yeah. True. So, um, wow, this was, I really liked this. So I don't know, people, we might be changing things up and we might be having a little bit more spoilers in our as I liked the conversation, I liked where it went. That's fun. We could it have a fun. specific uh, spoiler time yep, at the end of exactly. Every we'll count you out, and then you come back. Just let us don't... know if you think that's a good yeah. idea. <laughs> but don't forget to come back after you've read the book and and hear the rest. So, of course, we will have a, another book next month. Then, um, so we're nearing the end of the podcast, and I'm got going to let you leave without sharing what we're going to be chatting up. And so. Um, we are going to read Adam Silvera's They Both Die at the End. On September 5th, a little after midnight, Deathcast, a service that alerts people on the day that they will die, calls two boys, Mateo and Rufus, to give them some bad news. They are going to die today. Mateo and Rufus are total strangers, but for different reasons, they're both looking to make a new friend on their end day. The good news? There's an app for that. It's called The Last Friend. And through it, Rufus and Mateo are about to meet up for one last great adventure, to live a lifetime in a single day. So thank you for listening to the Curious Reader Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post about it on social media. And don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. So please click that heart or give us a thumbs up to share the love of reading and discovering something new. And remember, the curious reader seeks understanding beyond the book.